Perth Football Podcast with myself, Kalichi Osunwa, and the great man, Tommy Dolman. We've just witnessed the Macedonian Greek Derby here at uh, Macedonia Park in Stirling, which ran out with Stirling Macedonia 2-1 winners over Olympic Kingsway. We had some cracking goals, some really decisive saves as well. Tommy, tell us about the game because it looks like it's going to be a terrific start and a terrific season if all the games continue like this. Yeah, I mean... I was really impressed by both teams, I think it's fair to say. I don't think either team will lose any friends on what they displayed tonight. I thought I thought the game was a little bit cagey in the early stages. I thought both teams were sort of going through that feeling out process. Kings obviously knew they had a challenge on their hands. Sterling were perhaps wary having had a week off and obviously having suffered a semi-final defeat. But once the game got going, we saw a couple of brilliant goals, as you said. One from Kingsley Eshin, a terrific volley. Uh, he ended up with a goal and an assist to build on his night series semi-final performance. Uh, Kieran Byrne got the equaliser just before half-time, a sort of snapshot with a left foot from the outside of the box into the bottom corner. A couple of great goals. Go and check them out on streamer.com.au uh, when you get the chance. And then Tega Matoba got what proved to be the winning goal early in the second half, the former Glory Academy player, new signing. Um, and both teams had their chances to either extend the league. Kingsway's best chance, Sasa Negic. Uh, curled one towards goal and James Bosdett sprung to his right and saved and it was Stilling who kept their solidity that they showed for so many times last season and held on for the 2-1 win and got their season up and running. Oh, it'll, it'll be such an interesting game from the perspective of both coaches to look at because Sterling did a lot of what they did last season in terms of being very miserly, very tough to break down and then relying on moments of magic or, or, or mistakes from the opposition whereas Kingsley King's Way, sorry, had a lot of the ball, really nice touches. James Gardner, again, dominating play, playing passes, moving all, all over the place as well. And then, and then seeing, seeing that the chances that they did have, because there were a couple chances where the ball flashed through the box or Byrne was out there inches away or centimetres away from getting the touch on to, to get that decisiveness. But take a second and talk about those goals because that was a cracking volley one-time shot from Eshin and again from Byrne as well that was a cracking inst- instinctive finish from outside the box yeah so Eshin's shot really came from a maybe a miscued clearance I think fair to say from from Kingsway a ball which went straight in the air there was a little bit of head tennis and it wasn't sort of decisively dealt with and then just that striker's instinct I suppose just he, he sort of hooked on the turn mm. swiveled and then lashed a volley past Davy Keenan who had no chance in the Kingsway goal. And then with Burn strike, like I said, it was, it was almost a chance out of nothing. The ball sort of rolled to him. I think it may have been Liam Murray who was making the inroads a moment prior. And then the left-footed sort of strike off the instep. Bosdet maybe wasn't expecting the shot to be taken first time, but it was perfectly placed and, and into that bottom corner. I said it was uh, James Garner, but James Garner used to play for West Brom. It was actually Tyler Garner. <laughs> um, thanks for not correcting me there, Tommy. I appreciate you backing me on that one. Tommy, you were also at uh, Perth Red Star and, and Perth SC. Played out to a one-all draw around the grounds. What did you What did you see? What did you make of the game? What impressions did you get, aside from deadly Daryl Nicholl being on the score sheet again? Yeah, great free kick from Daryl Nicholl to get the scoring on the way. He's, uh, he's off and running again in 2023. Um, I thought Red Star probably shaded the game. They were, they were probably the better team and created the better chances throughout the occasion. Um, particularly in that first half, I thought they had a large degree of control over the affair, and it was... It was only really a strike from Michael Scafetta, which um, which Riley Stevenson had to save that Perth really sort of created in the first half. Red Star were looking dangerous through Chockdoor, through Nickel um, for most of the game, and then Perth were able to make a change. They brought on Sam Cook, 
in the second period. It sort of gave them a little bit of a different look up front with mm. Hassani Sinclair, who was sort of starved of service throughout the, the day, suddenly having someone to play off of a little bit more and somebody to maybe take the attention off the defence a little bit. And Perth did get the equaliser through Sam Cook with around about 10 or 15 minutes to play. And from that point, Red Star had plenty of chances to win the game. Uh one terrific save in particular from Luke Radnich right at the very end. I think it was Declan Yuzu rifled one towards goal and the goalkeeper pulled out a magnificent reaction stop to deny the midfielder and it ended square. So, again, I think Red Star can be pretty pleased with their performance, but they'll definitely be frustrated with the result, whereas a little bit of the opposite, I suppose, for Perth. They'll be very pleased with the point to, to get their season started and and, and maybe have some things to work on. And just going around the grounds as well, I saw a little bit of the Florida-Athena-Inglewood game. Florida-Athena are up 2-0. The champions up 2-0 at home. Sean Fry won't like us saying that it's the most dangerous lead in football, the old 2-0 scoreline. But the character from Inglewood to come back at 2-0 down and get all three goals in the second half... This is something that Florida were used to be able to do. And again, it's still very, very early days with it being the first literally very first game of the season but that's got to be a huge boost for Ingwood especially following the the night series result as well absolutely I mean I must admit I didn't see the game either as I was preparing for, for the Sterling Kingsway match but for Florida to go 2-0 up obviously the champions from last season and, and from what I heard were in relatively good control of that of that first 45 minutes got two goals in front and then we, we, we saw Inglewood in the night series, they obviously got to the final, they've obviously got those attacking options now to call upon the likes of McCarla and Domfay, Dylan White as well, and and they're, they're a team that are going to be dangerous this year they're, they're going to be the sort of team who you can't rule out of a game because of the quality they do have in the final third, and as you said they managed to rouse themselves to come from 2-0 down to get a 3-2 win, and that'll be a big boost to them. You mentioned McCarla, and I, like, I just keep thinking about exactly what um, Tuffy said to us in our last interview where he mentioned that the biggest difference between this league and State League Division 1 is, is match winners. And then McCalla, who scored another free kick, that's the second free kick of the season considering what he did in the night series as well. And then he ended up getting a, a second one to, to give them the, the 3-2 lead. So that is someone who's come in and is sitting really, really well and is an absolute match winner. And, and it, yeah, I was just about to say, and that's that's what it's all about. You, we spoke about Florida before last season. How many of those moments did they have? They had one at the end of the season, obviously, mm. with Brown Montgomery scoring that winner against Armadale. And it's it's about those moments in games, and often it's the the class players that, that make the difference, especially in tight games when you need someone to be decisive and you need somebody to take an opportunity when it's when it's presented to itself. A lot a lot of the teams um, from, from what we've seen so far, both in the night series and both in the league, certainly have plenty of threats in terms of options and, and players who can who can carve out an opportunity, but it's who can do that on the most consistent basis in what's shaping up to be a really even league. I mean, we've, we've already seen some of the results this weekend, and you can, you can throw a blanket over quite a lot of teams mm-hmm. in terms of that top four race. It's probably going to bat at least at least nine or ten deep. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a super exciting se- season ahead of us and it's certainly not let us down his round one. And mentioning other individuals who were new transfers into, into clubs, we'll, we'll pirouette here um, to Armadale 6, Coburn City 1. And just looking at the score sheet now, you've got Robertson getting two and Jackson getting getting one as well. And I think um, Ayan as well. I'm not too sure if he is an, an import from this season. New signing, Yeah, new season. So you, you're looking at three new signings having impact right away. And 
this just goes on with Armadale's superb performances in the night series. Obviously, the the, the semi final, um, something that they can't necessarily you know hold their heads up high with. But prior to that, it was three goals, three goals, four goals. They were scoring goals for fun, and they're scoring goals for fun again. Well, we predicted, didn't we? Um, I think we had a chat about it on the last podcast we did, is that we thought that maybe that 3-0 loss was just going to be a little bit of a blip because mm. of the players that they do have, and that certainly um, rung true today. Um, yeah, uh, three goals in the first half, 3-0 up, um, definitely an eye-catching one. And, and as you said, all the big hitters getting on the score sheet for, for Armadale in the game. Jackson with one, Jacobs with one, two for Amir Ayan, who's come across he was at Sterling last season and obviously two also for um for, for Daniel Robinson uh, both against his former mm. club who he uh, who he if you remember last season scored a double against Armadale for <laughs> Coburn which won them the state cup final so just loves loves the fixture just loves the fixture clearly so yeah big start for Armadale they're obviously going to go to the top of the league um on goal difference um after um despite Sorrento's 4-1 win last night. And, um, yeah, they're definitely one to look out for. They're, they're one of that cluster of teams who continue to improve year on year under John O'Reilly, and, and it wouldn't be a shock at all to see them right on the, on the outskirts of the top four again. You mentioned big big performances, and I'm thinking about Balcata's one, their, their 2-1 loss away to, at home to, to Perth Glory Youth. And I'm putting that in the context of the season that they had last year where they struggled, struggled in the relegation zone. But also looking at the fixtures that they've got next, they've got Inglewood away, Olympic Kingsway away, Sterling Macedonia away, and then they've got Bayswater and then Perth Red Star. So that's a real tough set of fixtures. And again, we're going to look at each game and take it one at a time. But geez, they would have loved to have gotten three points, especially when they were up 1-0. Yeah, they had them. They had them in the bag, didn't they? Well, they at least had one hand on those three points. Obviously, leading by a goal to nil, um, and, and the glory sort of pegged them back. And it was it was a last minute winner for for the glory as well. I think that one was scored in the ninety first minute. Obviously, mm. I was at Perth versus Red Star, so wasn't watching that game. I'll have to go back and have a look at it later on tonight when I get home. But um, yes, yeah, certainly as you say, with the features ahead for Balcatter, it was important that at least they got something out of that game today. And unfortunately, they didn't. And um, it's going to be a, a tough road ahead, but. What the, what they do have this season, Balcata is a little bit more experience in their mm. ranks. Well, I think we saw them last season. I think their three wins at the end of last season all came in the final five games under Glenn Grossstate when he came in. So that's that was probably about sixteen games off the top of my head where they didn't win a game at the beginning of the year. So I, I think, given that they've got that little bit more experience in the squad this year, I think they're going to be a lot more competitive in games. But as you say, it's going to be a tough road for them to start the season and they've just got to hope they can eke out some results here and there and not be too far off the pace. But I, th- I think... To, to, sorry, to, to just to go back on how close I think the league's going to be, I, I, I just can't see anybody being cast adrift at the bottom or running away with it at the top no. because teams are going to take points off each other in the early part of the season. And and we we don't necessarily know... I mean, we've got an idea of who we think will be in the top top, top four, uh, bottom three, and kind of be in the middle of the pack. But at the same time, we also thought that Sorrento might might struggle or might need some adjustment time, and then they go out there and have that 4-1 result the, the night before. So it's still supremely early days, and teams are going to take some time to adjust and get into form. And, you know, they, we don't want to go into an overreaction kind of theater or, or moments right now. But look, that's going to be it from us for the... Oh, you've got another point to make. I just want to mention one more thing as well. Tomorrow night, assuming that the podcast is coming out on Sunday morning, Kalichi, we do have the Women's Night Series final at E&D Leader Stadium. So Perth Soccer Club, Perth Red Star, that sort of little rivalries. I'll be there. You'll be there. 
you'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be on the call on streamer.com.au and we're on the Football West Facebook page tomorrow as well. So looking forward to that one. Red Star obviously coming off that unbeaten season mm-hmm. and, and that clean sweep of the silverware last year and a Perth team who have added, who have brought back Gemma Crane, Elu Lamont's come in, Monique Godding as well. They've made a Poppy lot of... Poppy too has been added, added to that squad. A lot of improvement in that squad and, and they're going to be really fancying their chances tomorrow, I'm sure. Especially considering the fact that they lost to them in the, in the State Cup final mm. last year as well. So that should be a cracker. Get on down and support um, local football. But what's going to happen now is you're going to continue listening to the podcast. We had a great snippet from Josh and Tommy who are both still alive <laughs> um, so you'll, you'll hear that um, and then you'll also end up listening to a quick interview that the boys did with Gustavo the Great following his hat trick at Frank Drago Reserve against Bayswater City and, and you interviewed Kingsley Eshin as well yeah you don't forget that we interviewed Kingsley Eshin you can check that out on our Facebook and our Instagram page but yeah plenty of content coming through from us and hopefully we'll see you all tomorrow toodaloo everybody cheerio so this is Josh and Tommy here with uh, part I, I don't know what part this is actually going to be of the full time whistle podcast because we're, we're recording this uh, ahead of time, so by the time you hear this, we'll probably be dead. Uh, Tommy, no, it's not going to be quite like that. Uh, Tommy and myself, we're out at Frank Drago Reserve. We just saw the season opener between Sorrento and Bayswater, and something that we've got to say uh, out of that game, Tommy, Sorrento really impressed. Bayswater have a lot of questions to answer, don't they? Yes, on both accounts. Hi, everyone. Yeah, um, a little bit of a surprise result, I suppose, to start the um, new MPL WMN season. Um, Bayswater won Sorrento FC 4, just to recap the score, a hat-trick um, for Gustavo Marilanda. Just ages like a fine wine, just gets better and better. I don't know how he does it. He's, he's simply a marvel. And then a goal for Mark Withers on his league debut for Sorrento as well. He added a fourth after an assist from another new signing, John Connolly. So a lot of positives for Sorrento, which we'll get into, um, and a tough night for Bayswater, that's for sure. And uh, Gustavo Marilanda, I think we've got to start with him because uh, you look at his career, a former Bayswater player, you know, he, he left that club a couple of years ago looking in search of opportunities after he had some injuries we saw a little bit of his best last year, I think, that game against another of his old club, Squellup, where he scored a hat-trick then really stood out. Today, he's done it on the first day of the season. Is he back to his best? Well, he showed signs last year, didn't he? I think he scored 14 goals in the league in top four. He got that double um, against uh, Sterling to, to ensure that they got through to the semi-finals. He also scored in the prelim as well against um, Perth Red Star. And he's... Certainly looking in good shape, isn't he? he? He looks really fit. He looks really up for it. And and as you said, there was that added motivation tonight with coming towards uh, coming up against one of his former clubs. He's a player who his his credentials in this league are unquestionable. He's a three time Golden Boot winner. Um, but in in the last couple of years, I suppose he's had some injury issues and he's not been the usual Gus that we've we've been used to seeing on a week to week basis. But um, Jesus, last season he really started getting back to his best, and this season he's he's off to a flyer. You know what I absolutely love? So like the first goal, I mean, he just got left scot free. I think we spoke about how Bayswater, you know, you, you get told to get compact as, as a player, and Bayswater almost got too compact because he's just snuck out 
the other side of them on the box and he had, had all the time in the world to finish that one. That was the first one. The second one was a, a Gustavo Marilanda classic. You know, he's, he's turned on the edge of the area. He's popped into the bottom corner. Didn't have much of the goal to aim at. And he's found it. He didn't want to celebrate that one against his old team. But when he got the hat trick, rounding the goalkeeper after Thomas Southgate's misplaced header at the back, uh, he saw his family in front of him and he desperately wanted to celebrate that one, didn't he? Absolutely. Um, yeah, he was he was being very polite, I suppose, for the first two <laughs> goals. But uh, but he certainly enjoyed that third one. And like you say, with the family behind the goal and, and the corner flag jumping up and down and getting excited, it's, it was an easy decision for Gus to go over and celebrate. But yeah, it was it was three different goals. It was a real intelligent piece of intelligence for the first goal, as you say, just to sort of peel away from the cluster of bodies in and around the area. The second goal, a piece of genius, lovely footwork, rifled finish into the bottom corner. Go and catch that one on streamer if you've uh, if you've not seen the highlights yet. And then the third one, as you said, um, capitalising on a mistake at the back, but then just keeping his cool around the goalkeeper and slotting into an empty net. It was... It was just a great all-round striking performance to cap what was a fantastic team performance overall. Sorrento looked pretty poor in the night series. I know I'm one of the people who uh, thought that that might have carried over even with the change of coach from uh, Trevor Morgan to Steve McGarry. Um, But, you know, the Steve McGarry era, I don't know if you got to say this one on commentary, but, you know, the Steve McGarry era couldn't have started any better than it did tonight with a 4-1 win against a team that last year were fighting with Sorrento for top four honours. Uh, what did you see out of the Sorrento team today under Steve McGarry that might be different and might give them a little bit of hope for the season ahead? I, I called it a dream start, so you were close there, Josh, with the <laughs> with the superlative. Um, I think what impressed me the most about Sorrento's performance was how well organised they were and, and the structure that they've got in pay, place. Um, Steve McGarry obviously came in at the, I think it was either the second last week or the final week of pre-season, um, just in case you're not aware, uh, listening at home. And, and he's obviously only had a couple of what, two to three weeks to work with this squad. And, and I think the transfer window is also closed as well. So he hasn't been able to add to the team as such. But what he has done is he's, not, I wouldn't say gone back to basics, but the team just looked so well organised. And we know that Sorrento are a team that have had a lot of the guys playing together for quite a long time. Now, the back four of Jordan Brown, Ryan McLaughlin, Mark Barnett and Jackson Tomasa were all there last season. I thought Scott Robertson at the base in the midfield was outstanding tonight as well. He's he's a centre-back that's played some MPL Victoria in the past. He was out injured for the majority of last season. And he was sort of just sitting behind Dean Cummings and, and Tim Hill, who the latter, I thought, was... I mean, he's a little bit unlucky that Gustavo Marilanda had such an excellent game because I thought Tim Hill was spectacular tonight in the middle of the park. So that gives you a solid foundation to work off. And I was just so impressed and with, with that structure. And I think that's a testament to the coaching of McGarry that he's been able to get that response from his team so fast. Yeah, Connolly, the, uh, the import looks like a player as well. Uh, just going on to... Bayswater, you know, they hosted the night series final last week. There was a real buzz around the place and they would have been really excited to have a a flagship standalone game at night for for the opener of the season. But the performance was really disappointing in the end. What can Bayswater take out of that game? You know, what what do they have to improve on? And I remember the stat you, you loaded up to the group chat before the game about how tough it's been for them to keep clean sheets. If you, I'm sure you've got that one off the top of your head, don't you? 
Yeah, so I, I was doing some research for the game, and, and Bayswater only kept one league clean sheet last season, and that was away at bottom, at second bottom side Balcada. Um and that was away from home. And, and if you go further back, their last home clean sheet was actually in round three of 2021 against Rockingham. So we're going to be close to, to two years since a home clean sheet in the league for, for Bayswater, which, which is somewhat of a surprise given that we sort of expect them to be up there and contending. But that, that kind of tells you a little bit of, of where they, they're going to need to improve. We, we've spoken about the attacking options, the, the McKechae, Stein, Smith, uh, Camera, Dway, Sparta. Um, Cataccioni even came off the bench to make a debut tonight, but it just didn't click. And, and unfortunately, when you do have those nights when that that fluidity and that gelling process just isn't quite happening, you need to have that 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 sort of foundation behind you. And, and, and Bayswater was sort of lacking a little bit in, in that respect tonight. Um, I, I think in terms of what can they take forward, I would probably say nothing. And, and I think the best thing that Bayswater can do is is almost just put that one to bed put it behind them as if it's just a one-off result and go back to go back to basics next week away at Coburn and hopefully start their season um, on a better note. Well, by the time you're hearing this, uh, myself and Tommy hopefully will not be dead, but we will have uh, six games of men's MPL action in the bank. So I'm sure it'll be a ripper weekend or, or has been a ripper weekend of action. Uh, and uh, just to... To leave you, we've got a, a little bit of a chat with the great man himself. Uh, a lot of great men on the podcast, but we were all gazumped by this man tonight. Gustavo Marilander talking about his magnificent hat-trick in the opening game of the season for Sorrento against Bayswater. Josh Chide and Tommy Dolman here with the man of the moment, Gustavo Marilander. Three goals against this old club, Bayswater C in a 4-1 win for Sorrento. Uh, Gustavo, you're currently, well, I imagine because this will go out in a, a little while, but I can't imagine any, anybody else beating it. You're currently the, uh, the leader in the, uh, the Golden Boot competition. How did it feel scoring that hat-trick today? Oh, well, um, it does feel great, especially um, this game is always having a... This, this game always has a, a, a different taste for me, you know, have something special for me, giving uh, uh, baseball as my old club. And, and I don't know, every time I come here, I feel like, uh, like uh, I always score goals. So it is, it is pleasing to, to score goals and help the team win. Did, did you feel coming into the game a little bit that you were maybe written off a little bit as of a team, given that you had the night series, obviously the change of clo- the coach um, in terms of Steve coming in for Trevor? And I think many people sort of thought it would take you a little while to get going, but what did you feel was so impressive about your performance tonight? We did know that. Um, obviously, people look around on social media and so on and so forth. We, we noticed that people are writing, uh, writing us off. Obviously, perhaps they... Um, they basing uh, the the opinion in in, in uh, the nice series, but obviously we had a few bodies out, and and, and and today we had probably three or four boys that came back. Having Stevie back is giving us a little bit more of energy uh, with the with the team. So it, it was always going to be we were, we always are um, a strong team. So we knew we we capable of making damages so today today it goes to show you you cannot write Sorrento out so we we always give a fight and today was a in my in my opinion it was a a very good win we just didn't win by luck we 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 actually had a great win today 
couple of weeks with the new manager, Steve McGarry, who's played at, at the top level. He played for Perth Glory, played in the Scottish Premier League, uh, and uh, now now he's back coaching in the NPL. What have those first few training sessions with Steve been like, and ha- has the mood changed a, a bit around the place over the last couple of weeks? Yes, he has. Obviously, when there's a new gaffer coming in, uh, everyone is basically starting from zero. So everyone is giving the best. Uh, training sessions have been have been a little bit um, more energetic. Everyone is training harder, and uh, and, he, and he's bringing in a few new things that are helping us massively. And, and you can notice today we we done really well. We no longer that team that plays the long ball. We want to play football, and we done, and we goes to show. He pays off. We. We scored good four, good four goals, and it could be more. So it's pleasing to see that. It's only been two weeks, so yeah, we look forward to the season and see what happens. What's been the key for you personally over the past couple of years, Gus? Because you had a couple of years, fair to say, where it was a little bit frustrating for you with injury. And last year we started to see you sort of coming back to your best a little bit. You got 14 goals last season, off to a fly with a hat-trick tonight. What have, what have you sort of done a little bit as you've become a little bit more experienced to try and get the best out of yourself? Uh, that's a good question. To be fair, um, um, yes, perhaps when when I left baseball, I was quite frustrated because when you start getting older, you want to do things with your brain, but your body doesn't respond to that. So I, I tried to adjust a little bit more, and perhaps playing for Sorrentos, it's uh, it's teaching me how to play like a like a pivot. You know, I've never done that before. I always been the second nine, but but I guess when I'm closer to the goal. It's uh, it's working for me. Uh, I just think a little bit more of what I'm doing. I, I'm I'm keeping my head fresh and and things are happening. And I'm being working hard, looking after my body. Obviously, I always I'm always uh, close with the coaches. Just you know, touching base in regards to my my uh, fitness. And and sometimes I have to pull out an odd session here and there. But I manage. So it's been good. It's been good. Sorrento has suited me very very well. So I'm very happy to be there. And, uh, and this year I feel good, so see what happens. I mean, for, for big this year. Thank you very much, Gus. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to stick around with us. My pleasure, mate, my pleasure.